Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Hey everyone, we're back after a little hiatus. We're back with our monthly check-in with Josh and I to talk about the upcoming season. So stay tuned if you're interested in what's going on here in the West, what we're thinking about, and what you should probably be getting ready for the 2022 elk season. Holy hey, moly. You Baxter. <laughs> I think I actually did an intro first try. That was impressive. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. I know. I guess that's the, that's the baby brain. Maybe, yeah, right. I don't even, I don't even care anymore. Just do things, keep going. Yeah. Life update on Baxter's behalf, if you'd like to share. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. We had our second, uh, second little dude here, what, three weeks ago, and uh, he's healthy and happy. And you just can't ask for much more than that. So uh, I'm a bit tired and a bit bedraggled, but I'm very, very happy. And yeah, just over the moon that everything went smoothly. Yeah. Super cool. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. yeah, I feel like like when I met you, there were no kids at all. Now there's yeah. two. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, oh man, it goes goes fast. But it's an art. Um, I think I've been learning a lot about like fitting fitness and hunting other things around this. You know, a lot of guys are like that's impossible. But I think that's a that's just a bad mindset. I think it's uh, you got to prioritize the kiddos and the other stuff. You can still. I'm just getting more and more efficient <laughs> and effective, you know, maybe not the same amount of times, but I'm much more effective with the time I got. So. Right. Right. Yeah. I saw you, uh, went Turkey hunting. Yes. Yeah. It was really, that was so awesome. Um, same place I went a, a year ago and, uh, went back in there and got very close to the Turkey, um, again. And then I'm trying to think of all the details I can share. I'm very scared about places and things on the, the internet these days. I've just seen too much. Um, I watched it. I think I sent you a mule deer video. This guy shot this giant one in a public unit and within 10 minutes, I'm like, that's a spot right there. So it's just like <laughs> any detail. So long story short, went back to the same general area. I uh, shot that turkey, went back in there and had a really close encounter with him the first day. Um, uh, he walked within shooting range, but after I'd already shot and was spooked and then second go around dropped in there and uh, ended up stalking within 20 yards of him which is one of the coolest things i've ever done because that's no not way. easy with a turkey um and just like typical idaho like brush and pine trees and bald eagle on the way down in there and a bear and a um you know some elk and it's just a really cool experience to to uh spot and stalk a turkey essentially that's all hand crazy. Up. and uh, it was a bigger one than last year which is crazy so yeah, really fun. Wow, that's wild. Wait, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about a little more about the turkey hunting. Um, wait, you get you got to see all those animals while turkey hunting? First of all, oh yeah, yeah, they're wow. all. There's other details I can't tell you. It's even more shocking. They're all there, but uh, yeah, where I can tell you, but I can't tell the world, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. They're all there. Uh, it's really interesting. I think uh i was going off with i don't think it was d i think it was my dad about this but i, I really think animals are creatures of habit and the bald eagle i was saw this year was in the exact same place last year this time of year the bear i saw same draw well every i think everything if it's undisturbed and no one's there which is all my spots um the places i like to hunt just kind of these spots nobody goes i don't think to go there um the animals are just there consistently year after year you know 
with elk, it's easy because you can see the horns, you know, it's the same animal, but I think those are the, I would put money on those being the exact same two animals. So really cool. Yeah. And then for the, the Turkey this time around, uh, how many days did you get to go Turkey honey? Was that, uh, let's see. I went three, one to a new spot. I hadn't been, and I got one to respond and what happened? Oh, it was a smaller one coming in and I was like running down the hill towards Mm -hmm. it. It was running towards me and it saw me at like a hundred yards and I might've been able to make a play on him, cut him off by running around, but he was, it was a small one. So I was like, yeah, I heard a bigger one down in the draw and then it didn't work out. And then I went back to the same place. I went last year and went two days. So yeah, really cool. um, And it's, you know, I don't, I'm also now like not a booster of the West because there's just so many people, but if you're going to elk hunt, it's not the end of the world to come turkey hunt where you're going to elk hunt or close to it. It's a really cool really cool experience out here in the West. So interesting in that. Yeah. That means you can kind of get some scouting done as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it can be way lower elevation and slightly different, but like you're, you know, you could drive close to your elk spot and like see what facilities are there and what the town looks like and what the access roads look like and the mount, you know, you just get like mm-hmm. a visual of what's going on. And I think a lot of guys that come out here, I've had friends from the East coast come out to fly fish and do other stuff. And they're like, holy hell that's a huge hill and i'm like dude that or mountain and i'm like that's like a small hill here like that's <laughs> a, then they see like a true hill here and they're like Duff. you know they think it's like yeah. so, um it's entertaining yeah yeah for the turkey um did you how did you set up like what what tactics did, did you use did you do decoy and call and sit were you more like running gun style 100 running gun so just just a box call and a uh a gun <laughs> wow so i'd like ran you know, i get i know generally like it's like elk i know where they want to be the kind of stuff they like and so i actually don't really like call to find them i'm going to that place no matter what uh because a lot of th- a lot of times like elk they're not going to call a long long way off and it's funny it's the first time i've seen hunters in that area i was coming out with the dead turkey and they're all doing the same thing they're running the ridges and burp, 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 you know trying mm-hmm. to see if they could get trying to get see if they could get something to come back and like you would not have found that turkey if you didn't go in there but nobody wants to go drop 900 feet through a bunch of thick junk in idaho um so i just run down in there where i know they were and other places i think they would be and i've always found them and uh get in close and then call and then mm-hmm. usually even if he's hend up he's going to come back um the first day he i managed to call his hens in which is really cool and then he followed behind mm-hmm but he spooked and that was when i almost got a shot um and then the the third day i came down and i could locate him i could see him on the other hillside and he just would not come in the hens would not come and so mm-hmm. i just kept yeah, make it a long story short because we're talking elk hunting you know but it was like it was just almost perfect analogy for elk hunting which is really fun right it was like you you saw him you knew they were there tried the calling thing the calling thing didn't work so it's like cool i'm shutting up um, and I kept dogging them and just there are two, three times I thought they were done for good. And I just kept, kept going and like trying to be silent through some of that brush is insane. Um, but I'm wearing all my elk hunting gear and all this stuff that doesn't, you know, this, <laughs> the effort I put in there. Mm-hmm. So I was crawling around with a 20 gauge and, uh, got, got close. I'm trying to paint a picture here. He was in, he actually was in a little mini like drainage, like this 10 or 15 feet deep and i was kind of on the other side of a little plateau from it that was probably 40 yards wide and i called i knew they were somewhere in there and they didn't come back 
So I said, okay, I got to go in and make this happen. And so I kind of snuck over the edge of that drainage and was walking very quietly. Mike Elk, you know, I think anybody who hears you say you stalked within 25 yards of a turkey is like you're lying. Um, but it's like elk, you use terrain features and you use the natural stuff that's there and just kind of, you know, they can't get direct line of sight on you, right? The window concept that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And I just like peeked my head over one little window, kind of into that little thing. And I saw him um, walking up around this bush. So I kind of quickly went to the other side of the bush. But what was funny is I think he saw a little movement, but because I just called him and been calling to him all morning, he started running towards me around the bush on the other side. Oh, whoa. <laughs> because he would, I'd been selling him on the fact that I was in uh, a turkey for a while. It's just his <laughs> hens weren't leaving, right? And so he ran right up in this little open hole and 25 yards with a, with a 20 gauge, boom, dropped instantly. So it was just beautiful. And I probably would have been able to shoot him because he was 35 down in that draw. So with a, you know, a pattern, that 20 gauge, and that's, that's well within reach. I'm not even using like a tongue sin. I'm just using a really good blood load, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really cool. Special moment. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, it reminds me of, I like, I watched, a ton of all, I think I've watched all the media episodes and everything. And there's an episode with, on turkey hunting, and uh, apparently Stephen Ranella loves turkey hunting because, and he just says it's basically elk hunting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, Western turkey for sure. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. What? What do you think? There were some. There are some lessons or similarities that carry over to elk hunting, or uh, did did this? I guess I don't think you could design a sport that's more similar to elk hunting. And Western Turkey, because you're you're calling to them. You're do, you got all the same things. Got to get close. You got to find out where they are. You got to cover ground. You, you know, it's very yeah. I would I'd say 100 percent yes to your question. Yeah. Uh, From this this specific year of turkey hunting, is there anything that you learned about the process of hunting or yourself through that? Yo, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's it's funny because it's every time you. I remember one of my greatest elk failures is my, I was with my little sister and I had to rake a tree and I bugled and this, I think I've told this story before, but elk came running. I didn't do a good setup. I was straight in line with her and this big bull came right in straight at me, stopped at 30 yards, swirled around and ran over this little hump. And I was like, oh man, it's horrible. I blew it. Right? This is the second year I hunted. And uh, the reality was he just didn't see the bull and was concerned that it had cut around and got his cow. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know, I, we both walked down there and started talking really loud and they both spooked from like 10 yards away, <laughs> but I learned a hell of a good lesson then. And I think it's, this was even more that it's like, you just cannot, you never leave fish to find fish or elk to find elk. Like if, if you know, something's there, even if you think you've blown it or they've wandered off or whatever, it's like, just keep on them. Um, just keep on them. And I think that was, that was a really cool one. Um, and I think the other one is that you, there's this tendency to get really scared and to, to think that the animal knows more than it knows. But I think if you like this one, if you sold it the story and you know, the wind's not blown to it, if it's an elk, turkey doesn't really matter. And they haven't seen you and all, you know, all these things, it just doesn't, you have to have confidence, right? And there's such a fine line, like elk hunting between being overly confident and whatever. So I think I've, I've gotten very aggressive with my hunting style and even in the spookiest of all animals, turkey, um, aggression pays off, you know? So I think really just reinforcing two big lessons from elk, like just dog, dog, whatever animal you're at, no matter what. And then uh, until you're hunt, like until you're beyond certain it's over, you see it like running over a ridge or something. And then 
I mean, it was like yours too, right? You just kept went back in there and you got one. Um, mm-hmm. And then also just like the, the balance of aggression. And I think if you're, if you're really aggressive, you're going to never, never have a shot opportunity. You're very conservative. You're never going to have a shot opportunity. I think most guys are more too conservative with elk. I think they gotcha. hunt them like whitetail to our conversation about your time in Hawaii today. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's uh yeah, so really cool. And it was a special, I forgot to mention that. It's really special to me because baby was due during the season. And so I went once before he was due, but then in the last week and a half, but you know, he actually came on his due date, which is crazy. But the last week and a half or two weeks, even even if I was going to try to go somewhere moderately close, it's like, you just don't do that. You know, you don't, right. I can't be gone. And so I'm sitting here just like, man, I know if I can go all the way up to that spot, I could get one. Um, and he came like four days before season. And so I got to wake up at like four or five, three, eight, whatever the heck early in the morning, one of those last two or three days. And I went twice and that was how I got it. So it was really meaningful to be sitting there for three weeks, wishing I could turkey hunt just being like priorities in life and then it worked out anyway it was very cool to, to have that happen wow what a blessing dang yeah, that is cool so wow your your freezer has probably got a good variety now huh we have eaten a lot of different animals up here yeah it's um there's always something something getting hunted or caught yeah that's fun yeah yeah i feel like that that is such a big part of the dream for me of one day I mean, I've got a long way to go to settle down and whatnot before I own a chest freezer, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but one day the, like the long-term, you know, five, 10 year goal is to have that freezer with like just a huge variety of elk meat and birds yeah. and fish and, and just be able to live off of that as, as much as possible. It's like so yeah. healthy and wholesome and it's all the memories. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome to give it to your kids too. Cause you know, you know, you know where it came from. It's a, it's a meaningful thing for sure. Yeah, and the nutrients like oh, man, off the chart. Oh, baby yeah. Luke and baby David are gonna be freaking superhumans, just oh, living yeah. their whole life off game meat. <laughs> really, no, it's really quite nuts. But yeah, but anyway, people got a got a free turkey story here in their in their <laughs> podcast. But yeah, that was my that's probably one of my big three things I've been focused on. I think anytime you're the other cool thing about that is I'm using all the same gear. I mean, it's like a it's spring, right? So it's kind of the similar as fall. Um, so like literally the exact same outfit, the exact same backpack, the EPIRB, the, you know, you name it, satellite communicator, the, all the things. Right. And so if you're rusty, you're using that stuff after three or four months, it's kind of cool to get out and try it out. But maybe we hit, we talk Hawaii for you and you're, cause that's, that's the burning one everyone's to hear about. And then we can talk, you round out the podcast by talking about the things we're doing for elk season. But I mean, you were kind of, I hunted for two days, but you hunted for, <laughs> weeks <laughs> so yeah i got in a handful of days actually i yeah. you know i work remotely as people know so most of the week I'm, I'm working and trying to hunt on the weekends or sometimes on the evenings um but man it was wow what a month why yeah i'm gosh so much to so much to break down but i guess just for those who don't know yeah i was there for a month um there was a family vacation in there in the middle so missed some of those days but yeah i got to hunt uh, a friend and I, Braden, went out there, rented an Airbnb uh, for about a month, and then he isn't working, so he got to hunt a lot. I got to hear a lot of his stories. His buddies came out. We actually helped guide them, which was really cool. Like we went off on our own, which was really cool mm-hmm. in some areas. Um, and then, yeah, we had a guide with us otherwise. But this year was very different from last year, in which most of the hunts our guide just 
hung back at, you know, where, where he was at and then just let us go off on our own and kind of adventure around, which is, which is pretty rare. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the first day we hunted, we went in with rifles cause we, we just got to Hawaii. We were like, let's get some meat. We need to eat. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. we got, we shot, um, there's so many axes here on the Island. So we shot two, shot a buck and a, no, two bucks that night. Nice. Uh, pretty nice buck. And then like a small younger buck. That's gotta um, be an awesome feeling to your first, to like get something on the ground the first day and take a little attention out. Yeah. You're like, yes, we got yeah, something. Yeah, totally. And, uh, we had driven pretty far. And so like, it ended up being a super late night. We ended up, oh, yeah. uh, you slept like dinner. two hours before work. Yeah, right, or something like that. yeah. We like ate dinner and napped and then like had to get up at like 4am and like drive back to the Airbnb <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And I, yeah, it was just like, <laughs> yeah, get, wake up in time for work and uh, time performance that day. I'm sure. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's just so funny. Cause I'm in a meeting. It was like a Tuesday or Monday morning or something. And I'm like, hey, how's everybody's weekend? Meanwhile, I have like dried beer blood on my fingernails, you know, just like, yeah, just a handful of hours ago. I was like butchering a deer, the remote, <laughs> the remote lifestyle. You know? Yeah. Funny. It is funny. Actually, I, I, I would love to hear your opinion on this, but I've actually learned, I just can't even talk about any of this stuff with people because i think there's an inference that you're not working hard or you're you know what i mean i think people don't understand the intensity a lot of these sports are so if you tell them like last night or this morning you were hunting or whatever um they just don't get it and obviously you don't talk about hunting that much in a, in a work environment but even people you know or even not hunting things like if you you kind of the same thing you're just like i just don't even talk about it it's yeah, it depends. I think there's just a handful of like coworkers that I'm close with that I would consider friends. Like I'd want to hang out outside of work and stay in touch, you know, mm-hmm. after we leave the companies. Um, those people are the people I tell and they're like, yeah, keep working hard, man. Like <laughs> you're so jealous, like have fun in Hawaii. Um, and then, yeah. So for the most part, most people don't know. I also got really lucky because um, my work is very cyclical in terms of there's times where it's like super busy Mm-hmm. There's other times where it's not that busy and actually some of our product launches and whatnot got delayed or moved into like later releases. So I didn't have to project manage them as urge. It wasn't as urgent and it nice. actually all happened like leading into Hawaii. And so it had been the chillest time, like couldn't month. have been better. Yeah. It lined up. It was perfect. It was now, like, did you tell them about elk season? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, really important matters in September. Really? Yeah, we're like, yeah, let's Critical. push this one to October. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's the coolest thing ever. I'm such a huge advocate for the work remote thing. Obviously, I'm here in Idaho with tech companies, so I'm I'm gonna have to be that way. But I think it's just you know, people watch Netflix all week long. I go out and I hunt, or I go out and I fly fish, and like I do it with the same intensity and the same excitement, and like that's that brings so much more to life i think um mm-hmm. and it's so cool i think to have those opportunities like you're i'm kind of jealous because i'm by the time this all happened i'm married and locked down but like <laughs> you're out there getting to spend a month in hawaii which is awesome well and i know you said that you know the bow hunting was frustrating right i think at the end of the day it, it didn't work out or closed it and i mean I don't, it, it's never technically worked out for me either it's been even though i found that one a day late like it just bow hunting access to here is insanely difficult it's uh, I think we were joking that it's going to be great for you to take a break and have an easy elk hunting season, right? But <laughs> what's uh like what? There's no better teacher than that, though. Like if you're pushing up an impo- against an impossible goal, you just like have to 
rise to the occasion? Like, did you feel like you learned some pretty cool things? Yeah, I learned a lot. I, I think it was a lot of reminders of last season and a lot of the mental game stuff. But yeah, so after that first hunt, uh, we went with rifles. Then after that, I went with bow um, every other time until until my last weekend. I just decided to go with rifle, bring some meat back home. Um, gosh, every time I went out with the bow, I'll, I'll describe like the situations. We were hunting in this area that's got it's like a pretty big valley. There's a lot of smaller like ridges or um, draws, ravine I guess, kind of ravine things, yeah. kind of things. Yeah, like dried up creek beds and whatnot. But in there, it's just thick like so thick where if i do get to a clear opening and for example if i looked across the ridge to like another draw another ravine like you can't see the ground it's just so thick with brush yeah yeah it's just almost jungly like thickness um and so and it's really dry that this time of year and so it's very very crunchy so a lot of times you're trying to step on rocks or like, or go up the creek so you can stay mm-hmm. like rock to rock, almost like hopping across a creek. Very similar to elk season. Super yeah. Crunchy. yeah. Super crunchy. Yeah. So you just have to go so slow. And then I think what I learned this year compared to last year, last year, I think I would go up the ravine, these different draws and just go super slow. And then sometimes you would hear an axis deer, like do that bark, like the, burp, and they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, there they are but you're kind of too late, but also just stay still, see if you can see them. And every now and then you'd see one, maybe like 60 yards up or 80 yards up. It's just so thick though. There were no open windows to shoot. Mm-hmm. And then you'd kind of creep up a little more eventually. And then if all of a sudden they'd all spook and you'd hear them running all away, but you can't, couldn't even barely see them this time around. I think we, I, we got better at patterning them. Like we would, we noticed like the same, I, I guess it's just that time you invest in a certain area, you start to notice what happens every day, like what the animal behavior is, how, how they repeat the animal behavior, like the behaviors. Yeah. yeah. And so we ended up becoming really successful with the rifle. Um, yeah. I, like my buddy had his friends come in and he guided them and we just had the same plan, like go up this draw, stay on this side, there's a little opening and you can glass across and every evening something would show up, whether it was yeah. a little doe or like a group. And so they got really successful with the rifle. Meanwhile, I was just bow hunting in there and I only had a couple close encounters where they just spooked before I was able to even like to get there. I, yeah. To really get there. And <laughs> every time I remember the first time bow hunting, uh, it was like a late afternoon going into sunset hunt. And I was trying to hunt really hard, like just being very, and by that, I mean, being super intentional with every step, Mm -hmm. really like not being lazy, you know, like really like bending down to get under that little branch and just just slowly work your way up. And I slowly, eventually over that night, just started to get frustrated and more and more frustrated at how difficult it was. Meanwhile, you're getting bit chewed up by mosquitoes. Like it's Uh. hot, it's humid. And then I realized like, oh, wow, this is that mental game. I'm, I'm getting frustrated because I'm, I'm caring too much about killing a deer. What mm-hmm. I really need to focus on is enjoyment versus performance. And just, yeah. and then I just try to reframe it in my head, like, Hey, enjoy each step. Enjoy it. Cause every step represents reaffirming these skills of becoming a better hunter. And I think that helped to like, let go of the expectations a little much and just like, enjoy the hardship, like enjoy the suck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and very then, much elk hunting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And then like, 
after each bow hunting session, I would come back, we'd all meet up at camp and my friend Brady and I, I would just, every time I think he, he could tell, I think I was getting disheveled because after every hunt, I would come back and I would say the same thing. I would just say bow hunting is effing hard. <laughs> you know, I would just be like, Sounds and, like a good summary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we would just be like, and, uh, and slowly, I think my mindset got to like, is it even possible to shoot one in here? And I've wondered that with, with, uh, access before like is this is this even possible in this way but but i think so for folks obviously they weren't listening when we were talking beforehand um josh was talking about how his friend ended up getting one by sitting still and like you i think there's different ways to do it right you can you can play the game a certain way and adapt and just be like this is i have to do it but i feel like you also were just like no i want to try to get one spot in stock and do the impossible do you do you have any regrets about just not sitting at stand and shooting one that way or like you you like no i'm actually happy i just like push through and like try to to make the impossible happen that's actually a really good question um because yeah about i don't know maybe a few hunts uh maybe like three quarters of the time like by the time three quarters of the trip was over i remember telling Braden. i remember thinking like dude i think it's impossible to kill a deer in here if there was going to be a way to do it i think you just have to go up this uh creek bed get pretty high like before the evening and then just sit and wait and then just get lucky like something's just got to walk by and then you just got to shoot it yeah well, i remember it's luck i think that's strategy but yeah keep going yeah it's strategy i guess it's almost like a like fishing yep, <laughs> type totally. of hunting instead of the spot and stock and it's not the style of hunting i'm drawn to like i just don't find it as fun especially with mosquitoes yeah <laughs> and hum- humidity um and it's, it's also, I remember thinking like the jungle is a different kind of suck. <laughs> it's just yeah. like a different kind of discomfort of just being so wet all the time and like sweaty and mosquito-y and buggy, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. So I remember telling that to him and then, but I continued to hunt spot and stock style for some reason. I just maybe need to <laughs> learn how to sit still, <laughs> but no, I don't uh do i have regrets about it um i hmm i guess i i don't know if regret is the feeling but i do think that next year when i go back i will hunt the way where i go and just sit and wait mm-hmm. and I, I think i'll just approach it as a more meditative style like hey just just sit like meditate observe your surroundings breathe yeah. like spend time in nature versus this like i have uh, this feeling of i have to work really hard to get it get it done yeah I think that's that's wisdom. That's like the first step into it. You might not feel like it to you, but I, I think I've seen that's a monumental shift in your mindset. I've never seen you ever opt into I'll do what it takes or I'll change my, you know, I think you've always been like, I'll push harder. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I yeah. think that's uh I think that's as applicable to elk hunting as it gets, right? Like there's just so many different ways to hunt elk where it's you call, you spot and stock, you glass, you sit, you, you know, whatever it is, but like mm-hmm you can't you can only thing you can change is where you move but like at the end of the day if the elk are behaving a certain way they're just behaving a certain way right and it's like just adapting to you're just adapting to that right i think it was really cool to your point where it's like you know if you want to kill one you know what you had to do right and i think subliminally you were like no i just want to do it my way maybe Uh, yeah and at the end of the day you got you shot one with a rifle both sides so like whatever you know it's not like elk cutting we're like well, i got nothing right yeah so it kind of is cool you got to just try to push it and you're 
you know, as they say, it just takes one. Could have worked mm-hmm. out once and then you pushed for it. So I think it's a it's a cool analogy because I think it's a really important thing for all kind of determining how you want it to go. Because I feel like a lot of guys these days are like, I want to call one in. It's like, cool. Well, just realize your odds of killing one are went down you know, by two thirds because you're only using one of three strategies, right? So I think it's a cool... And that, that doesn't matter at all. It's like, if that's what really matters to you is killing one by doing whatever, then, mm-hmm. then you know, I uh, got a lot of pride and admiration that you're just like, no, this is my game. I'm sticking to it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I actually hadn't hadn't really thought about it. I, I just kept going the same approach. Um, but now knowing what I know and then Braden having success on on his hunt um, mm-hmm. just, just a few, uh, last week, actually. Yeah, he just went in there, sat, just was patient patient and then actually a really nice buck came in and he shot it i'll have to have him on the podcast at some point and talk about hear that story but um yeah it just it just now it makes me think about just the themes of like not holding too too strongly to one approach maybe if i had adapted quicker i would have gotten the result with the bow so now i know what to do next year um Mm. which is which is a good lesson well, the other one that you haven't, I don't think you cognitively realized, but it's pretty clear to me is that you got to know that area very, very, very well. Uh, and I think yeah. that's a massive advantage. Same with elk hunting, right? Like I'd take same, same, a bad area four years in a row versus a good area that you'd never seen before every day of the week. Because mm-hmm. like you said, you knew where they moved and what they liked to do and what their general habits were. And like, you made it sound like, oh, it's lucky. But no, if you know they go up that little draw and you just go up there and sit, like you're, you know, that's invaluable and i think yep. it's the same with elk hunting where it's like you know um you know i see i go in new areas of where i'm at every year you know, probably probably a third or half the time like i like to explore new stuff mm-hmm. every year but i'm also as you see I, I hit the same spots majority of the time at least half the time right because when you know you know and like that's that's a monstrous advantage yeah and it sounds like the spots you know are the spots you hit first and then yes, it's like, yeah. okay, if these don't, aren't working, like let's go yeah. to the, yeah, yeah. I'm playing the high odds things, right? Like right. I'm playing the things I'm like, that's the best. That's the best. That's the best. And like adapting. And also the other thing people don't realize is like benchmarking to use very businessy in other terms. But like, if I go into a spot that I've been before, I've seen that four years in a row and I can tell a lot of things that you'd never be able to tell, right? What's the status of the water in the area? what's the depth and like intensity of elk trails in the area what's like um what are the winds doing this year like is is the i know that sounds funny but i think each year kind of has a different set of winds depending on the weather in september like what is the dirt like what's the crunchiness like all these things that you would never be able to tell unless you'd see them consistently in the exact same spot year after year and so going to one of those i instantly get like a read on what are those four things relatively right Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I now know for everywhere I go, what are the cards are going to be like? Um, so I think it really, there's so many subliminal things like that. You don't even realize you're picking up on when you go back to somewhere where, you know, to com- be able to compare it to something else. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why, um, it was so cool to see Braden be successful because he had a group of three friends come in and he guided them and, and I went bow hunting and then he had another friend come in and mm-hmm. we, we all hunted together and he always let me and uh, his other friend get the first shots and whatnot. Like he ended up not shooting very much at all and mostly guiding for most of the month. And mm-hmm. he learned that area so well, yep. you know, 
because I'm working, you know, Monday through Friday and he's out there guiding people and the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why finally, when he got to go on his own solo bow hunt at the end of this, at the end of the trip, when all his friends were gone, boom, he just sat in the spot he thought was highest probability. And yeah, like you said, it's not luck. It's, it's all that calculus done beforehand, which is, which is so cool to see. Um, but yeah, like yeah you like drop back to elk hunting one more time i'm just because it's so amazing how all this stuff is like so similar but you know luck luck is 10 percent, right if you if you put a thousand marbles in a bowl you're going to pull 100 of them if you go elk hunting right that's the that's luck that's the odds right mm-hmm. you regress to the mean it's like vegas you go play two hands of blackjack you might get away with some money but if you play 100 you're gonna you're always gonna end up inside the odds right um mm-hmm. and it's same with elk hunting like that if you if you take luck in elk hunting you'll get you'll get an elk 10 percent of the time right right but like if you you know do what other people quote unquote think is luck but it's reality just the hard work and effort and scouting and thought you've put into it um you end up in a really good spot you know yeah totally yeah and with the we learned that that draw that you can go up and sit and just glass the other side was super reliable and so what was really fun is that my last weekend of hunting, we got to just go up there and I got to shoot a goat and shoot a deer with a rifle. And, mm-hmm. uh, it made me think like, gosh, rifle hunting is so easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I feel, I feel like the irony of axis is they're probably the hardest animal ever to bow hunt. Not the hardest ever, but like, in, in, I, I would say harder than elk. Mm-hmm. I mean, which sounds like heresy because everyone hypes elk hunting up so much, but um, I would say they're harder than elk to hunt with the bow. And then they're easier than almost anything else with the rifle. Cause they're like, so, so many of them. And if you've got any amount of range they're they're in reach, you know? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think it was really fun because one of my favorite things about hunting is feeling the pressure of having to p- perform in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. of, of like all this work that you lead up to it, It's almost like a, if you think about any sport or anything where people have to make you know the epic moments when you watch basketball highlights yeah. or whatever like that clutch three-point shot when the when the buzzer is counting down and like no time left and they they manage to they manage to find themselves in a peak performance state despite the external pressures yeah i think that that is something like really really appealing to me about hunting yeah and so that last weekend it was really nice to get to still like feel the pressure of the moment and perform like a good shot even if it's with a rifle yeah, similar okay. to that bow, like that surprise shot. And I think shooting sports and with the pressure of the moment on a live animal, being out yeah. in nature is, is something I really enjoy. And so I got a lot of the enjoyment out of getting to still like harvest an animal at the end of the day. And uh, yeah, it was a great way to end, end the trip and come back with some meat. And yeah, it was, yeah. It was fun. No, I, I totally agree. I think it's, I would, I like I told you I, before the call, I would, I've always really, really wanted to hunt elk with a rifle. I've just never been able to swing the time, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, I don't, I think there's a perception when you're an archery elk hunters that you like poo poo on rifles and they stink. And you know, if a if hundred times you'd go, you take 99 times archery. No, I'd probably take 55% archery, you know, <laughs> 45% mm-hmm. rifle. It's just <laughs> that I can't do both. Um, and I think that it's the same to your thing. It's like, it's all about matching the tool to the effort, to this, the skill and the, Right. And I don't, I don't, I've never met someone who's bad shot with a rifle and a good shot with a bow and vice versa. You know, pe- mm-hmm. people are relatively better depending on what they do more of. But I think to your point and the whole premise of Hawaii, which is awesome, is that you're, you don't realize it in the moment, but that amount of experience being close and dealing with that, uh, right. It's so, so valuable. Cause like you said, if you've, 
you know, Steph Curry draining that three at the end of the game, you and I are like, how does he do that? But he's literally done that 25 times before. So it's no big deal anymore. He's not even thinking about the crowd or anything by the end. Right. He's just doing what he's doing. And I think the more you hunt, whether it's with a bow or a rifle, you put yourself in those situations, the the better it is. So yeah, cool. You're all primed up here like two months before season. <laughs> I know, right? And I, yeah, I really, for some reason, I love being in that situation of like being under pressure and having to, to try to perform a good shot. Um, yeah, and I just applied the archery skill. I haven't shot a rifle a lot, but I, same archery yep. skills of like the surprise shot, um, which was really fun. Yeah, anyone, the cool thing about a rifle is if it's the rifle's on, pretty much anyone with a decent rest can shoot out to 300, which is all you really need to do. You know, and yeah, yeah. With a moderate amount of training, not by moderate, I mean like a decent amount of training, like you train with a with a bow, you probably can shoot out to six hundred reliably. Dang, with no win, but you know, so it's quite a with modern optics and other stuff, it's really changed. Uh, we could go off in a whole rabbit hole on whether that's <laughs> you know a good or bad thing, but um, no, I, I'm I'm probably going to do like I told you, probably going to do a rifle mule deer hunt this year. Uh, after elk hunting because it's available it's close it's not super expensive now um mm-hmm. so i can fit it in and uh, i'm pretty i'm really fired up on that yeah we talked about it last year but it just didn't quite fit in with with everything going on yeah well if you go first week of october and you need uh you need someone to help class <laughs> I'll, <laughs> sir, I'll be there <laughs> scouting i think season opens the 10th unfortunately but we could go ah. we could certainly go find something yeah, and yeah. come back for it yeah that'd but, be cool uh, it'd be real fun yeah really good but yeah now that we're a couple months out from or a few months out from elk season what are what are your thoughts going into your next season i mean yeah you've got big success a few years ago you had a nice elk last year what's what excites you now where's your head at honestly just getting an elk i had a great conversation with my dad this weekend he was in town and it's just like oh so were you like holding out for something big or doing whatever and i'm like any any elk with a bow even at this state having shot like I don't know what the stats are now. If I hunt six, seven years, six years, I think it's five out of six. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's like any elk is just a trophy and it's a magical thing. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy to say I'm like, I'm just as fired up about killing any elk as I am. Um, but I do have a cool situation this year. And then I do have a guaranteed two weeks vacation with paternity leave where I can hunt. I have carte blanche from the wife. She's got her tag in Wyoming. Um, where she probably will get one or have a chance at it. And she's got a rifle, go back. I've got a rifle, go back all these, all these things. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I could in theory push pretty hard for a big one this year. I just don't know if I'm, uh, if that's something I'm, I, I want to do, I don't know trophy. Like I love pursuing the hardest and the biggest, and the best, but the, the greatest thing in my opinion about all cunning, uh, and this is not some revelation that gets you marketing points or gets out on a billboard or like gets you Instagram followers, but it's that, like even, even a quote unquote routine elk to me is a magical and amazing thing. And I'm stoked on it. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a really cool place to be in life where like the normal is like amazing. Right. right. Um, and I'm like, I don't want that to go away. I don't want to make elk hunting about hitting a number or uh, whatever. And so, um, so that's kind of where my head is on that. I'm kind of going back and forth with the time and what I'm going to do. Uh, and then I've been doing a lot of prep. Actually, I've been the bow has been really interesting. I feel like a bow takes a full year to figure out. Mm. Um, oh, the new bow. New bow, yeah. And I, yeah. I think it's, like I said, I think it's a phenomenal bow and it's designed, but it's funny because I'm, I'm probably shooting about a fourth as much or third as much as I used to because of kiddos and stuff. So 
but I'm holding about the same groups, if not a little worse than I used to with the old bow. So I think it just reaffirms the same thing, which is even though I know for a fact, this is a better bow, the most important thing is just practice. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been really cool to see. And, you know, it's funny, I was like getting really frustrated with it. And then I like held my grip differently, experimented with up and down very methodically and left and right. And then all of a sudden I figured out, I'll put pressure, put the bow right down the lifeline of your palm. And this bow likes that more than up on the pad and boom, I shrank my groups by half. And like, it just, it, you know, it takes, uh, it's going to take me probably 50 sessions over a year or two to, to get that bow to the same status as the other one, um, methodically. So I'm like, I'm doing everything from adding an ounce of weight at a time to each stabilizer to changing out the three lengths of stabilizers I have to moving my sight in. Cause I have the dovetail, which I really like, and we, we don't want to go off in that diatribe, but like moving it in and a half an inch out a half an inch out a half an inch, like testing each one and in, in dark and light and dark and light and moving my peep up a bit and centering it when it's at 40 yards and when it's at 80 yards and retying it in and like, just experimenting with, you know, less of it in this bow. Interestingly, I do better with like a, an eighth less draw length, eighth less into an inch. And like everything is like ground zero again, like experimenting with it. Every trip, trip I go to the range, there's like one thing I'm playing with. Um, so it's been really fun for me to kind of experiment and play. Um, so I'm getting super there. And then the other thing I'm doing is kind of going through all the gear. Um, yeah, you know, I, at this point i like pull it all back out and look at everything because even if it's stuff i'm just going to use again i want to make sure it's a good shape and if it's broken or something two two weeks out so i'm kind of scheming and dreaming and getting everything packed up and ready for a test trip i still think if guys are new absolutely should be doing that if you're even if you're not new it's really productive to get all that stuff out and in your pack and just go for a test run Um, so that's been been very very gear obsessed right now um and every now and then i get really fired up and scout some little area next to where i'm hunting now and i want to go there and you know go see that for the first time so i think interestingly this year if i go drop cameras um i'm probably just going to drop them and then go to a new area and then scout that uh, because they know my areas right so it's i don't yeah. need to go back in there and look at them or find the 20 elk that are in these different holes they'll be there whatever right 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 um yeah so anyway that's a lot of things i'm just rattling off but like really like fine tuning, I think within two, two months, like it's the real deal and really fine tuning my bow and my skill set there. And then like gear itself, getting that all checked off. Cause in my mind, that's like, you don't have to wait to the last minute to check that off. You can get that done two months ahead of time and then just keep it good to go. So I'm getting that set up and then exercise wise, I've been super, super on top of it, which is fortunate with the baby. Um, and I'm just starting to f- starting to switch to very sport specific things. Like it's mm-hmm. moving away from weightlifting to weighted packs and, right. you know, moving away from like your smash and grab hour long mountain bike ride to like two or three hour, super long, you know, one that mimics a, a hike a lot better and your things that are more specific to what I'm actually going to be doing. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, um, in terms of access to your hunting, uh, versus elk hunting, I feel like maybe like the tactics and strategy and like the day-to-day is maybe the mental part too is a little bit harder for access to yeah. I do think elk hunting is probably physically more demanding, especially because you're at elevation. Oh yeah. yeah no, I, I feel the like biggest part. I think we've talked about this before. It's like, it's really just like fitness, fitness, skill set, gear. Like if you can get those three things dialed, like fitness knowledge might be a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and like elk hunting is just so brutal on the fitness side. Gosh. Yeah. So brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah. My fitness has been a lot better, um, uh, because of all the hiking in, in Hawaii. That's um, good. Yeah. And I've been, ex- been doing a little bit more, like a little bit more weightlifting, but more very lightweight, more endurance and like just a lot yeah. of like body weight squat stuff and running and whatnot. Um, although my back is still, the pain is still there, uh, oh, but man. it's just that last 10%. If, if I hit it a little bit too hard, then the next day I'll be a little, a little bit more sore, a little stiff, Yeah, but, but it doesn't affect anything to do with hiking, which is interesting. <laughs> That's like I, Yeah. I can hike with like a backpack on and for like like in Peru, I went on a 40 mile hike over three days with a pack on, not a heavy pack, but yeah, my back felt better after the trip than it did before. So I'm not too concerned about it when it comes to elk hunting, but it's just a little annoying thing to deal with. I am worried a little bit about getting back into archery and like how much I'll be able to draw. Cause that's what originally um, made it hurt. So that is something I'm a little nervous about as I, as I just slowly, I mean, you learn that lesson, right? Slowly, slowly, like my wife, maybe Margaret just got a I gave her my old bow. We got it restrung with a pink string and a, you know, all this stuff. Um, but it's same thing. Like when she goes to shoot a bow and I think hopefully guys aren't doing that this time of year, but you never know. Um, I always back it out like three, four turns, which is a lot. That's like 10 pounds. Um, but I always do that. Cause I'm like your first session back should be completely about just like form and like drawing well. Yeah. And like, you know, drawing the right way where you like reach forward for it and use your back and, uh, and like you shouldn't even be caring where the arrows go. Like mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I. It's hilarious. I went out with D to the 3D range, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like I'll, my my arrows are off." He's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I've never sighted in my bow. <laughs> 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 it's been two. It's been like three months." And I'm like, "Yeah, I shot it probably four days a week." <laughs> uh, and he's like, "What the hell?" I'm like, "Yeah, I don't. I actually don't really care where the arrow goes. I like, care about like my release. I care about the process. I care about the shot." Um you know, the tuning of the bow, everything like feeling good. And I'm like, I can, I can easily whip up a sight to hit where the arrow's hitting. Like, that's fine. And it was, you know, it's like within, it's not like totally off. It's like within two or three yards, but like, I know that 40s at like 45 and, you know, 50s at 58, like it's, it's off. Right. Um, I'm like, I don't care. D I'm putting a new string and new arrows on it in the month. Like, I don't want to deal with reciting it in. Like I'm close enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I know if it was me or the bow, just by the way the shot goes off now, I don't have to watch the arrow. So, right. Um, but yeah, I think it's just so slow, right? Like starting so far off yeah. with poundage and then working up. Yeah, that's what I'm a little nervous about. Like, I, I don't know if I'll be able to get back to the poundage that I was at last year. And though that throws off kind of like the math, I guess, with the arrow weight and what. Yeah, I mean, sure, within five pounds, probably not. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what do you, so okay i think last year i was shooting 56 so maybe like 50 i should make it a goal this year to get to 51 by the time yeah i mean just keep just keep going and see what feels natural i don't i really don't think your extra five or ten pounds of draw weight is not going to kill an elk or kill it you know what i mean Um, right right the heaviness of the arrow and the good news is a stiff arrow you can tune out a stiff arrow no problem at all Mm. the other way doesn't work so like if you're shooting an arrow that worked great at 56 you could probably shoot that down to 40 well, um, if you could tune it well enough, you know, enough shims in the bow, um, you know, it's not going to be pretty, but it's going to work. Um, so I don't, yeah, I would every day of the week, I would much rather shoot less poundage and shoot it well than shoot higher and, you know, be hurting yourself or yeah. just like having bad form or like just doing something because of the perception totally. that it's better for the equipment. Totally. The equipment's there to serve you, not the other way around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. 
Yeah. So, but yeah, this is the first time I've been injured for this long. Like this last little back tweak. I think I'm just realizing it. I mean, the pain's manageable. It's it. I'm probably 90% healed, but I'm just realizing like it might just yeah. be something I got to work through. It's part of the part of the deal now for a while. Yeah. No, I've been there. I've got IT stuff from the triathlon right. days, and yeah, there's there's a lot of things you like have to actively manage and deal with. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And uh, they do go away. It just takes a long time. And I think right. you learn from those lessons to just like treat yourself a different way. Yeah. Totally. In the future, which for me has prevented a lot more <laughs> injuries. I get way less injuries these days because I've gotten so many that I right. know how to just like, it's not like, oh man, I should do that. It's like, I go do it because I'm like, I know I yeah. will. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to, it's a long learning cycle. It's multiple year learning cycles. Once you get them <laughs> a few times, you're like, okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Well, so, yeah. You probably got to hop, but uh, yeah, cool check-in to to do. Maybe we'll do a part two this year soon because we know we're pretty far behind, but we'll bring bring back some other content here on uh, other things we're doing for 2022 because I know guys, you know, if you're new to this podcast and just wrapping it up, there's a ton of great stuff for the first kind of oh, course we went through at the beginning of this. And uh, we view these as kind of the uh, almost a separate podcast, right? It's like a polish on top. So Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll get some some folks back on the line here and do some some cool calls. Get prepped for twenty two. Yes, sir. Super exciting. We're a few months out. What three months out? Two and a half. We are like ten weeks or something stupid. Like that. <laughs> yeah. So if you have not Dang. gotten your stuff together, you are. There's a, there's a number that should scare you. Ten weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, if you're listening yeah. to this podcast. You are you are getting into single digit weeks away from your elk season. So. It's time to enter the uh, elk training camp. Yeah, go put those shoes on the the rack to wake up tomorrow morning for a run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon.